Warning, this episode contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. Welcome back to another episode of Whiskey Sex Talk. I am your host, Romeo. Hello, hello, and I'm your co-host, Maria. As the whiskey explosion continues to surge, there is one category of brown spirits that often seems to be overlooked. Tennessee whiskey. On this week's episode, we are going to learn all the basics we need to know about Tennessee whiskey. And here to tell us more is our official whiskey expert and president of the LA chapter of Women Who Whiskey, Kim O'Hannison. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Romeo and Maria. It's great to be here and talking about whiskey. I'm really, really happy that you're joining the team. And I think Maria is also excited. I am excited because you're a woman that knows whiskey. And that is what I'm actually more excited about. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Okay, so let's just get started. So we're going to be talking about Tennessee whiskey. Now, Kim, can you please just give us like a brief history of Tennessee whiskey or whiskey? Just walk us through on for that. Okay, thank you. Uh, it's so great to be here uh, talking about whiskey, which is my favorite subject, as you can imagine. Yep. Uh, first, uh, before talking about Tennessee whiskey, I just want to you know briefly talk about what whiskey is because a lot of people are confused. Um, whiskey is the overarching category of any distilled fermented spirit made with grains. Uh, scotch is whiskey made in Scotland. Uh, bourbon is whiskey that can be made anywhere in the United States, but is mainly made in Kentucky. While Tennessee whiskey is very similar to bourbon, but can only be made in Tennessee and uses a very specific uh, filtration process. Um, so uh, that's and you know because a lot of people just get very confused and think whiskey is something different from Scotch and bourbon. Uh, so the history of Tennessee whiskey, uh, like uh, bourbon, Irish and Scottish and uh, German immigrant farmers uh, moved to the area that is now Kentucky and Tennessee because of the rich farmland where corn grew uh, really uh, well. And also the limestone water, which uh, the limestone filters the water, it removes impurities and it adds uh, magnesium and um, calcium, which, you know, help the whiskey. And, uh, you know, basically whiskey is production is value added farming. So farmers were, were growing these crops. Uh, the crops were hard to transport after a certain point. Uh, and to make it profitable, what they started doing was distilling the grains into whiskey, specifically corn uh, in Tennessee and in uh, Kentucky. That way they could transport it more easily in barrels. Uh, bottles came later. And uh, also they could trade it for other goods, which which was harder to do just with plain grain. Um, and then uh, so the it was just it became a commodity and and a very widely traded one. Uh, one Jack Daniels is one of the first distilleries. Everybody knows that it's yeah. the yeah, most widely yeah. Uh, 
uh, imbibed uh, whiskey in the world. And it was uh, started in 1886. Uh, it's I love the story. Uh, so uh, Jack Daniel uh, was the nephew, the very young nephew of Reverend Dan Call. Uh, and he was, you know, initially a chore boy on the farm. And uh, Dan also, as it was fairly common at the time, uh, Dan owned a distillery. It was not uncommon for people of the cloth to uh, to also own distilleries. But Tennessee was a state where the temperance movement or, you know, the anti-liquor movement uh, started fairly early on. I mean, really? it was in the, you know, much, much long before regular prohibition. And uh, Dan Call's wife uh, started pressuring him to get rid of the distillery. So he sold it to Jack Daniel, who was at the time a very young teenager. I mean, he wasn't like 18 or 19. He was more like 14 or 15 for a very nominal sum. And Jack took over the distillery. And he was very lucky in that uh, the distiller uh, for the just, I mean, the distiller for the distillery, uh, master distiller, was a man named Nathan Uncle Nearest Green. And he was an enslaved uh, black man who was, you know, kind of came with part of the distillery as, you know, things did during that time. Uh, and he taught Jack how to distill. And one of the unique things about um, that distillery is was the filtration process, which is uh, different from bourbon. It was filtered through um, charcoal, uh, maple charcoal, uh, often sugar maple charcoal, which resulted in a smoother whiskey. And it's widely believed that that, uh, you know, it's called the Lincoln County process, uh, you know, because of the where the distillery was in Lincoln County. But it's believed pretty widely that that process was brought over from Africa by um, enslaved people because it was really? a technique that that was used to uh, to filter impure water. So uh, it was something that, uh, you know, really distinguished Tennessee whiskey because it was considered kind of an additive. Um, it, it, it differed from how, you know, bourbon can't be changed in any way. So Tennessee distillers embraced it. And, uh, you know, that's how we have Tennessee whiskey today. That is that I you know that's an amazing story. I have so many questions. Um, what I do want to here, here's my first question. I'm going to keep it just kind of within the, the the just keep it brief. But um, the, when they the immigrants moved to, was there a specific reason they chose Kentucky and Tennessee? Were they aware of the climate, or was this just by 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 luck? Well, a lot of a lot of the farmers moved. Uh, uh, moved west from the east coast. I mean, where rye was being grown, it was a it was a cool weather crop, uh, and whiskey was made in the colonies as well. Uh, there was actually after this, the uh, Revolutionary War to uh, to to basically pay down the debt because obviously the war cost a lot of money. Uh, George Washington imposed a whiskey tax. Uh, and a lot of the distillers, many of them were were just farmers. I mean, as I mentioned, farmer, you know, basically whiskey is uh, value added farming. They were like, you know, we're just we fought in the war. We're just like home distillers. You know, why don't you just tax the big, you know, distilleries? So they started moving west just to kind of get away to, you know, the the less populated area. And they discovered uh, they discovered 
how fabulous uh, that area was, the area around Tennessee and Kentucky for the crop. So they didn't specifically move there. You know, they they didn't know really until because it, it was just being it was the Western expansion. So they were just discovering parts of the country. But once they found it and realized how, you know, the fertile soil and the great water, it was obviously they decided to dig in and stay. And it was just far enough from the government. So they weren't quite as regulated. It's a beautiful history. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mary, you wanted to say something? No, no, I was just saying that's that's really interesting. This stuff is yeah. probably what most people don't really know this information. We we'll just drink it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful, rich history, you know. Um it really is. It makes me appreciate more uh, uh let's say Tennessee whiskey, but really the history, the the rich history, and I think we we've talked about this on the show that is that comes from America. It's just there's so much to it. You know, it's complex, it's rich, it adds it makes it more, I don't know. I don't know what the word is here, but it just it makes you appreciate it more. Now, Jack Daniels, I just want to say something. That was, I think, the I did I did uh, for a while. Maybe when I was younger, I didn't know it, was, it says Tennessee, but I mean, who knew that Tennessee whiskey, right? When I was younger, but that was the first I want to say uh, whiskey that I actually um, was introduced, like most you know Americans, as a rite of passage in college. You know, with you know Tennessee whiskey is Jack and Coke. There is a you know it's part of the American culture. Yeah. And I still love it till this day. It's 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 one of like I think one of those kind of like, you know, you can go like say if I'm going to a bar, and you know you can mix with cocktails. I like the the Jack and Coke. Uh, it's one of those things. It's one of those whiskeys that I genuinely like, and I love that little bit of history that you gave us on 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 Jack Daniels being one of the first distillers in 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 America. It's it's beautiful. It's uh, yeah. He was. Oh, go ahead. No, yeah. go yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> It's uh, it's interesting because uh, after uh, Nearest Green taught Jack how to distill, Nearest basically continued with the distilling. I mean, he'd been doing it for many years, and and uh, after uh, the the uh, war was over, uh, war between the states, uh, he was uh, Jack basically made made Nearest a free man, and then he also uh, rehired him as as the distiller. Wow. I love that. Well, thank you for that very interesting historical information. Can you tell us what is the difference between Tennessee whiskey and bourbon? What exactly, what are the criteria that make a whiskey primarily a Tennessee whiskey? That's a good one. Well, yeah, one of the, it's, it's one of the, uh, one of the interesting things about bourbon and Tennessee is they are, to some extent, the same they they require the same uh, have the same requirements uh, to be legal. Uh, both are have to be made of corn, fifty one percent corn. Uh, then you know often wheat is added. Uh, rye is very common. There's always a little bit of um, barley for fermentation to help with the fermentation. Uh, it has to be uh, once it's uh, once it's distilled, it has to be put in uh, charred new oak barrels to age. And, um, and, you know, there's other requirements about, uh, you know, what the proof it's distilled, it's distilled at, um, when it's put, the proof it's put into bottles. But the most interesting thing, the difference between Tennessee whiskey and bourbon whiskey is this filtration process. So, um, that, that nearest taught Jack Daniels, and it was one of the, one of the first people to, one of the first distilleries to do it. 
And so bourbon was considered, um, it, once it was codified into, uh, you know, kind of a very distinct category, it could not, there couldn't be any additives or any kind of, uh, anything added to the process. So the Tennessee, for Tennessee whiskey was filtered through the charcoal, which was considered to be something that was not allowed in bourbon. And instead of the the Tennessee distilleries, instead of going, what? We insist on, you know, being called bourbon. They embraced the category uh, and, you know, to become Tennessee whiskey. So the main difference between bourbon and Tennessee is uh, that uh, Tennessee whiskey is is filtered uh, through this maple charcoal, uh, usually sugar maple charcoal. And that's and that's before it is put into the barrels to age. Uh, the other thing about Tennessee whiskey is that it has to be made in Tennessee, whereas bourbon can be made anywhere in the United States. It's primarily made in Kentucky, about 95 percent, but it be, can be made anywhere in the U.S., uh, whereas Tennessee has to be Tennessee whiskey has to be made in in Tennessee. So those are the main differences. Uh, I, I have a follow up question uh, for now. We know that bourbon is one of the highly regulated um whiskeys out there is tennessee whiskey regulated like bourbon is well it, the main thing is uh you know in 2013 it was really defined legally uh and basically in the way that i was it, it, along the lines that i was talking about okay. uh it has to be distilled at a uh at a certain proof it has to be 80 proof when it goes in the bottle uh i mean you know 80 proof to be sold uh it can't be put in the bottle for uh higher than 120 proof so those were some of the regulations but uh it had to, the two things i think it was in when it was in 2013 when they really started to regulate it legally it was uh, the two things were that the whiskey had to be made in tennessee and that maple uh, charcoal filtration had to be you know had to be included those were the two things now the only uh exception to that is pritchard's uh which was a relative relative newcomer to the scene uh, but they were grandfathered in and they do not, ha- they are, they're made in Tennessee, but they do not have to use that maple, you know, charcoal filtration. So, uh, you know, I, I actually, yeah, I have actually haven't been able to figure out to do that, but, and especially since they were kind of a, a newer uh, distillery. So uh, whereas other distilleries, um, George Dickel, they adhere to that. Uh, there's a a distillery that was around the same time as Jack Daniel and George Dickel, which was um, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And it was run by after uh, Charlie Nelson died, suddenly his widow, Louisa, actually ran the distillery uh, until Prohibition for 18 years. So um, that was another one of the older distilleries. And it was re- it was revitalized by Nelson's great, great, great grandsons in the early 2000s. So, and it's now a thriving award-winning distillery. Wow. You know, it's, it's, uh, thank you for that really, because, um, I read about it, but, uh, about the, what was originally defined in 2013. And it's, it's, it's shot to me. It's shocking because here we, they've been around for so long, and up until that point, it wasn't defined, defined, you know, until 2013. 
here it is with the with the regulation, what it is with with uh, what makes Tennessee whiskey. Um, yeah, the government loves to get involved. No, they always do. They want yeah. their, they want their piece of the pie. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and of course, the regulation makes it easier to tax, and and right. uh, you know, and but I think it is there are um, there there is actually an attempt to define it just so there's consistency. Right. Obviously, I mean it's it's not just for monetary gain for the government. Right. Now, can you tell us a little bit about Tennessee whiskey? What they say from grain to bottle. Well, most of grain to bottle usually means um, that uh, they control the process from beginning to end. Uh, they're generally speaking a lot. I would say today most of the distillery, distilleries buy their grain um, as opposed to their corn, as opposed to growing it themselves. I mean, it's you know, it's just it, it's just the way it's done. I mean, the, it's a, that's the most commercial aspect of it. But they will pick their, they will create and pick their own uh, mash bill, their proprietary grain bill. And that will vary, you know, sometimes they'll have different, they'll have small batches and, or uh, they, they're going for a certain profile. So they change it up. I mean, you know, every distillery has multiple, um, what we call it expressions or marks. And so they'll change that up. Um, and then uh, yeast is also very important uh, to the process. And a lot of distilleries will have a proprietary strain of yeast that they use, or they will pick two different kinds. Uh, the production of yeast is is actually kind of a big business in and of itself. And what the wheat does is it interacts with the sugars in the grain uh, to turn into alcohol. So the yeast, you can't, it, the yeast is vitally important. Uh, and then the, uh, you know, maple uh, charcoal filtering uh, is also crucial, and they have different uh, processes. Um, you know, different distilleries have different processes. They uh, some distill uh, through, you know, four feet of charcoal. Some, you know, distill through thirteen feet of charcoal. Uh, some distilleries fill a big vat uh, with whiskey and and have the charcoal maple, you know, in there, and then you know, just drain that out where some of it like Jack Daniels just drips it through charcoal that's been ground up into kind of pebbles and drips through. And uh, so that's a more painstaking process. It can take uh, three days to weeks, you know, sometimes 10 days or, you know, weeks. So it really depends on the process and what they're going for. And it also, of course, is a trial and error and each distillery you know, it's, it's fascinating. It's basically the same product, but it, you know, every distillery puts their stamp on it. You know, if you drink whiskey long enough, uh, you can, you can tell, oh, this is a Jack Daniels. This is a George Dickel. Um, each house tries to create their own flavor profile, uh, you know, just to, to be distinctive and fla specific flavor notes, whether it's toffee and vanilla or, um, Vanilla is common because the uh, a, a common flavor, as is caramel, because right. the the barrels have to be charred, and that what that charring does is it uh, caramelizes the sugar that is just naturally in the wood. So um, that's why you'll commonly get caramel or vanilla in um, basically American whiskeys, not yeah. quite so you know Scotch or Irish, but and. Um, 
And then after that, you know, they try and just, you know, find a house style, whether it's, you know, toffee and, uh, you know, kind of heavy on the oak or uh, more of a concentration on the spiciness. Um, they'll manipulate the wood so it's uh, spicier. Uh, and so everybody tries to, each distillery tries to create a house style um, that is both consistent, uh, but also innovative. Thank you for that. I, I want to ask one question. What is the Barrel Select? What What is the Barrel Select whiskey? The Barrel Select is basically kind of what it sounds like. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> it's also be called, a, yeah, it's a, well, but but no, it, I mean, there's an explanation. It can also be called a barrel pick, single barrel uh, pick. Um, so the job of the master blender for, there's a distiller and then there's a master blender. And uh, for instance, uh, the the uh, the blender is has to know every whiskey in the house. And uh, what they do is they try if there's something that doesn't a barrel of whiskey that won't fit in with the house style, they will put it aside to be chosen um, for, you know, a liquor store or a bar that wants to pick out something new. They buy the whole barrel and all the bottles in that barrel go to the purchaser of the barrels that they've selected. All right. Yeah, I actually, and I'm assuming obviously that's the most the pricier because <laughs> it's higher end, I want to say. Well, you know, it's it's higher. It's a higher proof usually because it's taken straight out of the barrel. It's not, you know, what you know, take proof down with water. Uh, and it's part of the main thing is the flavor profile of a select barrel or a single barrel pick is that it's something that it usually can't be incorporated into the flavor profile of the whiskey. So it is, um, so it's just put aside. So if, you know, if you've, I've done barrel picks and my romantic idea is that you wandered around the distillery and went, oh, that barrel looks interesting. That barrel looks interesting. What they do is they will bring out about seven barrels uh, for you to taste. You taste each one of them. And usually with, uh, you know, the master distiller or, you know, somebody high up in the distillery, and then you choose the barrel that works for you. Uh, um, so that's uh that's that's beautiful. the way that works but it's, yeah go ahead no it's like that's beautiful that's like amazing yeah. um, it's an amazing experience i will say what i wanted to ask you is i know you 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 talked about the limestone uh, that is found in in tennessee now the it, what type of, do are they do they all use like uh limestone based uh riverbeds well, no, the, I mean, the limestone water is pretty ubiquitous okay. for Tennessee whiskey and Kentucky whiskey. So that is probably the one common element. Uh, the limestone, when the water passes through the limestone, it filters out the iron, which can turn your whiskey Ooh. black. And nobody nobody wants, wants a black whiskey. whiskey. <laughs> and uh, also it adds uh, magnesium and calcium to the whiskey, which, um, you know, kind of softens it. Uh, and it interacts with the yeast really well. I mean, yeast performs uh, even better in uh, limestone water than it does in regular water. It just encourages the yeast to to do its thing and and uh, convert into sugar. So, uh, you know, that's one of the distinctions of being in that area is that you can use that water. So it's uh, everybody pretty much uses the same water and um, Dickel and uh 
and Jack Daniels both uh, have water sources like rivers right next to them. So whereas others, you know, kind of bring uh, just bring the water to the, to them in you know bottles or barrels or tanks. So because you know they they say that that's what makes whiskey. It's 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 uh, if you look at the history of whiskey, it's always the water, right? That element to it. It's very crucial. Uh, yes. Yeah. You really have to have good water. I mean, it's it, it. Yeah. And if you filter it before going in, it it's it's just, you know, you don't want a distilled water like you would get in, you know, bring home from the supermarket. Uh, you know, they manipulate the water if necessary, but um, mainly they want to use that limestone water. I mean, that's kind of the reason to be there. That's great. I, I wanted to comment. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, Tennessee uh, well, not Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee whiskey, or at least American whiskey, is sweeter. I've always com- said that, and I think that's one of why why my palate. I, I love that sweet, always that vanilla, that maple uh, flavoring. Right. That or uh, what is it? What do you think? What do you not flavoring that uh, note? Yeah, the sweet sweeter versus the peated, more peaty tasting whiskey. The ones that have that more of like the spicy, well, spicier. Or some people, yeah. some people even say it's like it's more like a rubbery. It's right, like an, you know the um, it's a completely different taste, and it's, it tastes a bit more dry. I would say that I actually like the peated ones more. Funny enough, well, Kim. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, as you probably uh, remember, Romeo, from uh, our our previous conversation. I'm a big fan of peated whiskeys, and those tend to be uh, scotches. Tend to scotches. be scotches. Yeah, yeah. and you- it's it's a certain kind of bog that's you know you cut up and you dry there. There is smoking done with Tennessee whiskey. Corsair, which is a relatively new mm. distillery in Nashville, um, has something called triple smoke that is hugely popular. And they're a very experimental craft distillery. And, you know, the craft distilleries kind of exploded around 2009, partly when Charlie uh, Nelson and his brother Andy revitalized Greenbrier Distillery. But Corsair also came up and they do crazy things. They use things like quinoa and... What? Uh, Oats, yes. Oh, that's very. Yeah. Uh, that's some. That's a different level. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's great. And they have pecan whiskeys, and um, it's a very innovative, you know, little. Uh, you know, it's a very rough and tumble. Like we're gonna do things the way we want. And it's a great distillery tour too. What so. are what are some of those um, new craft distilleries that you know of that you might recommend? What what has your experience been with them, and which flavors or sort of you know processes do you find to be interesting well, to the taste well um first to just go back to you know talking about uh whiskey american whiskey being sweeter that's basically because of the corn you know, corn is yeah, a sweeter grain and you know barley which is what um uh, scotch is basically made from i mean again there are all kinds of innovative people use oats they use just all kinds of crazy things quinoa as i mentioned but um so some of the craft distilleries i mentioned corsair which is kind of a, a very much the scrappy upstart um uncle nearest uh whiskey which was basically a fawn weaver uh and this is not really a craft distillery i mean it's a it's a pretty big distillery in its own right but a woman named fawn weaver discovered the uncle nearest story she interviewed his relatives um you know who are all very well treated i mean after uh after nearest green became uh you know emancipated and um, but they said what we would like to do to honor, uh, you know, our ancestors legacy is to have a whiskey, you know, made at, after him. So there's a whole there's an uncle nearest line of whiskeys. They're highly award winning. I mean, since 2019, 
They've been the most awarded whiskey in the country. Uh, and they make lovely, lovely whiskeys. Their distillery just opened in Lynchburg, Tennessee. Highly recommend that. Um, 1820 is uh, my favorite. It's harder to find outside of the distillery. Uh, I mentioned um, Greenbrier Distillery, which is in Nashville, as is Corsair. And I also just love the Corsair story. Uh, I mean, the um, Nelson's Greenbrier story. Mm -hmm. uh, Louisa Nelson, uh, after her husband died, she she ran the distillery. And sometimes she didn't even sign her name. She would just be L. Nelson so that they would think she was mad. She couldn't even vote. And she ran the distillery for 18 years wow. from, uh, you know, until Prohibition basically shut everything down. Uh, and, you know, that's another thing is that the Tennessee whiskey industry really didn't um, it, revive a post-prohibition like Kentucky whiskey did. So they it wasn't really until the 2000s that, you know, things kind of started picking up again. So in addition to Corsair, Uncle Nearest, uh, Nelson's Greenbrier, which is a great historical um, uh, distillery tour, uh, uh, I'm also Dickel, you know, is not a craft distillery, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of theirs and, um, other Tennessee whiskeys, Bob Dylan has a Tennessee bourbon. Uh, it's, you know, the, um, the definitions that they use are not quite, don't adhere quite to the traditional, uh, categories because yeah, you know, to call something a Tennessee bourbon kind of doesn't. You know, I mean, it, it is a Tennessee bourbon, but nobody really calls right, it that. Right, it's like an oxymoron. <laughs> right, from everything yeah. you've told us. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but I love, all, I, those are those are favorite, you know, whiskeys of mine personally, partly because, uh, you know, I was very, I've been very involved with the Uncle Nearest group, um, uh, Nearest Green's uh, great, great, great granddaughter became the master blender. She had no experience. She retired from a career in, in law enforcement. And then she just became one of the, uh, you know, most rewarded and highly awarded, uh, master blenders in the um, industry. And she's the first black woman to become a master blender. So, I mean, I, I can't say enough about that. That's so distiller. cool. Yeah. The, just, the story is amazing. The whiskey is amazing. And, yeah, it's great that the companies all run all by women. So I was I, I was going to say, like, you know, and I think you talked about this way back in season one. First, I just want to comment to to Maria. If you listen to uh, when the first time Kim was on the show, she talked about why women actually like peated whiskey uh, or they're actually and women are actually bet. I want to say better, but women actually have olfactory. They're just better at sensing, at smelling uh, whiskeys. They pick up all the different notes, even the subtle ones. Thanks to Kim, it has to do she her learning, me learning from her is because survival mechanism. And uh also, Kim, you told us too, which I love. I'm I'm really like, I want to say obsessed, but I, I not obsessed, but I, I love the how people don't know, but women have been involved in the women women and whiskey history are so succinct. People don't know how much women have played a huge role, especially in the American uh, history of, of American whiskey history and it's right. fascinating. And I'm so, this is, you know, I love that, you know, this, and I love that, you know, whiskey and I, I, I keep bringing it back. It's just, you know, it's just, it's so refreshing to, to hear you talk with such passion and it, it just, it warms my heart. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Well, 
it's great to be here to talk yeah. about whiskey and and you know getting asked great questions by the two of you uh but you know one of i think i might have mentioned this in the first episode but uh when you know the, back in the day in the colonies the american colonies uh when whiskey was being made mainly rye women were the distillers because again it was grain and the you know the Men were out hunting and gathering and, you know, the women, it was a painstaking process. It required patience. It, it was cooking and, uh, you know, it was very, it was regulated internally because you were selling, you know, barrels or bottles or containers of whiskey to your neighbors. So you wanted to make sure it was good. And so you, you were very careful about what was included. So it wasn't, you know, you weren't including parts of the whiskey that, um, you know, were lethal and that all changed when, you know, became uh, uh, legal to sell whiskey in bars and brothels. And then, you know, it was just all about getting a lot of whiskey and selling it to people. And, and that's when people <laughs> that's when people started getting into trouble because they weren't really um, they weren't really uh, taking out the parts of the whiskey that uh, were poisonous, that had methanol. <laughs> right, yeah, people were, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read about that. And here's something interesting. What I'm reading right now is at least in American whiskey history, women are owning distilleries. And I'm so excited of this change that is happening in the whiskey industry because it's just, it makes the history so rich. And I can't wait to talk about women and whiskey in future episodes and this adventure that we're all going to go on, just talking about whiskey and really, really just making it interesting for all of you guys. Now, Kim, in regards to the Tennessee whiskey craft distilleries that have emerged, when did that start? It, it was about uh, the beginning of the 2000s, I would say about 2009. Um, and, you know, there was partly, uh, you know, the, the definition. I think people were striving to create a definition of Tennessee whiskey because, again, they were they were embracing the fact that they were that they were different. Uh, and so. And it was just a time when craft whiskey, craft distilleries were kind of exploding all over the U.S. Um, bourbon, people had just started drinking bourbon. Uh, you know, beef, bourbon was not very popular, actually, uh, for many years. I mean, it was more popular in Japan than it was in the United States. And it was only in the late 90s that uh, it started to become, um, you know, very, very popular. I mean, I, you know, you were saying, Romeo, that when you were in, in college, you drank Jack and Coke. And I think it that was always there, but I mean, it was more of, you know, alcohol as right. opposed to being appreciated. Right, as, right, right, you know, right, yeah. everybody, I think everybody, it was the same for everybody. <laughs> I wasn't I'm sitting not, there sipping. I think, oh, but I have I think, I Jack think at that Jack age, feels yeah. here. <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> yeah. how can I get, you know, drunk uh, or how can I get this, uh, you know, but really, I mean, uh, it's go ahead, Kim. Yeah. Well, but it was just a time when people were, um, realizing that uh they could they could make this whiskey too i mean people were making beer in their garages and people kind of just realized you know maybe this is something that i can do i mean because and i think one of the reasons somebody said well why do you think whiskey and in general became a popular category uh you know popular drink after so many years and it wasn't at all you know it was vodka or you know uh, clear spirits cocktails more uh, so whiskey was, or, or spirits were just being made for cocktails, but I think, you know, there was, uh, an interest in craft, uh, process, the craft mm. process for everything, craft food, right, right, right. 
become more hands-on. And so I think the craft distillery starts springing up because they love the challenge of it. And, you know, as opposed to, oh, it just has to be made in a, in a factory distillery. And um, people just kind of started, uh, you know, starting their own smaller distilleries because it was of interest to them. And they really wanted to, uh, it, it, it was a unique process that they could get involved in. And I, and again, I think the fact that it was um, the craft movement in food, uh, in furniture, in design, you know, was, was basically kind of just starting to spring up then. So the craft distilleries were part of that. There's also craft breweries and it kind of naturally grew out of that. Well, it's like you have a bitter appreciation because once upon a time, even like younger, you know, that we're seeing such a, uh, the demographic, uh, of whiskey enthusiast is is so it's such it's so diverse and to have you know to be part of that i want to say movement uh or that wave um is actually something that i i actually look forward we have here in israel we have milk and honey uh which has won awards oh uh, i love yeah. great. I, yes i love them oh yeah. they, uh, i i you know they have they've won awards for their whiskey for their gin um, also, Goland, um, we have Golan whiskey. I think Golani, I might be wrong, but I think it's the Golan whiskey. They're mm-hmm. great. Um, it is really, really amazing. And I think it's a, it's an amazing time that we're all living where for those that like whiskey, you can actually, you know, learn so much. And the variety, it's just so, so much variety is like, we, you know, there's an infinite amount of variety. Like, it's not just like once upon a time, you know, this is. You're only getting from these houses. Now you have like, you know, those small distilleries and it's just amazing. And and I love it. And yeah, Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, that, that the, the democratization, I I guess you could say in general uh, is, is very exciting. You would think, Oh, you know, how many kinds of whiskey can you make? And of course there's infinite number of kinds and, you know, it's interesting, Romy, you were talking about um, milk and honey gin, which I have some, their Levantine gin I love. Oh, nice. uh, and yeah. a lot of distilleries, uh, you, you'll go to a distillery and often you'll find gin or um, even vodka, sometimes rum uh, on their shelves. You think, well, what does this have to do with, you know, with whiskey? Right. The thing is, is that uh, whiskey has to be aged. I mean, it doesn't have to be aged to be called whiskey. You can new make spirit or white dog, you know, can come right out of the, off the still. And it can be, if it's, if it's formulated properly and the, they have a very specific recipe, it's drinkable. I mean, some are very harsh, but some are created so that you can drink it right off of the still. But generally speaking, most whiskeys are barrel aged. Um, and that takes time. You put whiskey in a barrel and it's going to be there for generally speaking, uh, two years to four years or more. Uh, so what are you going to do when basically your money is sitting there in a right, barrel? Right, right, So gin is very easy and quick to produce, as is vodka, as is rum. So a lot of, uh, especially smaller craft distilleries, they will make those products because they can make them quickly, they can sell them quickly, and it's a way, again, to establish kind of a house style. So um, milk and honey is a perfect example. You know, I, as I said, I love their Levantine gin, which is, you know. Really uh, good, right? Oh, so good. Yeah. And it's interesting. A lot of whiskey lovers I found are also becoming uh, kind of circling back to gin, not to get on. I know we're not gin sex talk. You know what's so funny? My, but that's still an interesting fact. You know what's so funny? I love, I'm I'm telling you my go-to drink, like when, if I do have one, 
I love gin, gin and tonic. I, I'm a gin person, but whiskey, I have a different appreciation. It's something that I'm learning. I'm right. just starting to embark. You know, I'm enthusiast. And it's funny you say that because I noticed that. I'm just like, this is interesting. Yeah, uh, that's why. I mean, yeah, you would think, why? What does gin have to do with whiskey? Why are they making these? And of course, it's just, you know, they have to get something going. I mean, some distilleries will just, you know, they have a lot of money behind them. So they'll say, oh, we'll just. Uh, you know, we'll just let the barrels sit there. I mean, you know, uh, Bob Dylan's whiskey, they're not, they, I guarantee you they're not making gin, you know, they right, have enough right. money, them, so they well. don't need to, but, uh, but I think it's interesting. And that's, ex and you know, what that has done, it's, it's led to, um, more interest in gin because it's coming out of these smaller distilleries, mm -hmm. more interest in rum, which is, you know, kind of another burgeoning, uh, quality. Vodka hasn't quite caught up, but um, no, you know, yeah. I think yeah. for numerous reasons. There's only, you know, I want to comment on that. I uh, now we're running out of time here, folks, but I just want to sure. comment. And, and Kim has been amazing. Uh, there's only one vodka that I had here in Israel, and it's interesting story. Make correct me if I'm wrong, Maria. If you know this history. It's called Russian Standard Vodka, and the creator of this vodka. It's a limited edition that came out during the holidays. Anyways. It was chilled to like perfection and I had it and it went down so smooth. But the I like the story because this guy was originally a banker and then he went bankrupt. And I believe the story goes he, <laughs> he started to just started distilling vodka or, you know, producing vodka. But anyway. yeah, that that does not surprise me um, <laughs> at all. Uh, an ex-Russian banker deciding to invest in the vodka industry. I mean, that's just fun. He goes uh, hand in hand. And I have to say, um, probably the best vodka that I have had has always been Russian vodka. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there are some that are very high up that, that are not. But, you know, stereotype or not, everyone in Russia drinks it pretty much or has had it. And, you know, they've got that process down to a gi. Yeah. To a Poland. yeah, Poland as well. Poland and, and Russia are the, you know, basically the two, you know, there's... there's uh, Poland too, yeah. Yeah, controversy about, you know, who did what, but they have, you know, different styles. And, um, I, you know, I, the problem is it's just they're harder to get in the U.S. And, and there's yeah, been... And most people don't really, they're not really yeah. aware. So they, they, a lot of people, they, you know, this is a little bit extra information. It's not really about whiskey. But a lot of people don't really know the difference between quality vodka and really crappy vodka. And you find a lot of stuff in the US like pop pop or something. Oh, I remember, yeah. Well, yeah, I remember we were in college and my friends were <laughs> drinking that and I was like, all right, guys, I'm sorry, I cannot watch this. And <laughs> I brought them, I brought them, I went back home for Christmas break and I brought them a bottle of really good Russian vodka. And they were like, oh my God, what, what were we drinking this whole time? This is, this is completely different. Like if you're gonna do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. you're well, a good. You were well, a good is, friend. Yeah, like yeah, she's a good friend. This, but... this isn't vodka. This is not vodka. Well, thanks to Maria, <laughs> she educated them a little bit. But uh, I mean, anyways, thank you for that. I mean, well, this is a whiskey sex talks yes. show, but Back I mean, to vodka, but anyways, no, really, really, uh, thank you so much, Kim, and welcome to the family. Well, folks, that is it for today. I am your host, Romeo, and I am Maria. And I'm Kim. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Bye-bye.